Well, good morning, New City Church. And uh, I think we were, we're not sure, but we might be having some technical difficulty with YouTube. So we apologize if YouTube's not working, uh, but I think Facebook Live is working. So you can watch this live uh, there. Well, we wanted to keep things as normal as possible. And so we've been working our way during this Lenten season, uh, the six weeks leading up to Easter and doing a series uh, called, what does it look like to have a balanced uh, relationship with God? And uh, looking at the different streams that come out of the life of Jesus. And so we've been looking at Jesus and his life and the things that he did, the things that he was about and the practices he had. And, and so we've been looking at, at, at things like, well, what does a prayer life look like? And what does a life of holiness and virtue look like? And what does a, a life look like uh, where we live dependent on, on the spirit? Um, and, and looking at how did Jesus do these things? How did he walk before God and in his world, um, with that kind of balance before the Father. And, and balance, when we talk about discipleship and following Jesus, is, is essentially very important. Uh, we talked about the, the analogy of going to the weight room, you know, the guy who works out his biceps and his chest, but he doesn't work out his legs. And so in the same way, in, in, in discipleship with Christ, is that we're all called to particular ways of living and interacting with God. And it's not just one way, but it's multiple uh, ways. And so, um, so this morning, we're going to be looking at another stream of the church that comes from the life of Jesus. And, and we're just calling it the even evangelical stream, which is another way of saying, uh, what does a life look like built on the word of God? Um, because when we think about the evangelical uh, stream, we, we think about what the word means. And evangelical is really a, a good news people. It's a gospel uh, people. Um, it's a people who are rooted in the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ. And it's a people who are rooted in and grounded in the word of God. Uh, so, so the evangelical stream really is a stream that's, that's about propping up the sufficiency, the authority, the reality of the scriptures and how God reveals himself, uh, through those, uh, scriptures. Uh, and so we're going to be looking at that, uh, for a few moments here, uh, this morning is, is what does it look like to have a life that is centered on? that is grounded in God through uh, the scriptures. Um, and and th- really the way we're going to kind of look at this is the way in which God reveals himself through the scriptures. And there's three primary ways. He reveals himself through the written word of God. He reveals himself through the living word, who is Jesus Christ. Um, and he also reveals himself through the proclaimed or spoken word. And we'll talk about that in, in just a few, few moments. And to get at that, I want to look at Luke chapter four, because it's a very insightful text when we think about what does a life look like that is grounded, centered um, on the word of God. And in Luke chapter four, we're going to start in verse 16. Uh, Jesus is uh, about to begin his public ministry and he goes into the synagogue and he opens up the scriptures and he preaches and teaches from the scriptures. It's a very fascinating scene in the gospel of Luke. And so I just want to read that for you. Uh, Luke chapter four, verse, verse 16, and I'll read down to verse 30. And he came to Nazareth, Jesus, where he had been brought up And as it was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. And then he quotes Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor." And he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your teaching, in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the grace 
the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said to him, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do you hear your hometown as well? And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. He went away. I'm also going to read from verse 42 of Luke 4. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place, and the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogue of Judea. And so this is the word of God uh, for us this morning. And, and so I, I want to just look at, as I mentioned earlier, the ways in which God reveals himself to us through the word of, of God. And, and the first one is that he, he, he reveals himself through the written word of God. And that's what we see right here in Luke uh, chapter uh, four is that Jesus has come back to his hometown in the, in Nazareth in the region of Galilee. Um, he goes to the synagogue as his custom, as it says there in verse 16. And, and so Jesus every Sunday would, would go to the temple, go to the synagogue. Um, he would hear the scriptures read and taught. He would sing to God. Uh, he would pray just as we, we do even today, 2000 years later. And so this was the, a, a daily, or I should say a weekly rhythm of Jesus gathering with God's people, hearing God's words, singing, hearing the, the, the rabbis teach on the scriptures, explaining what they, they mean. And, and that's really why we do what we do as, as Christians here, uh, today. And so, so Jesus would have been rooted, firmly rooted in the scriptures of the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures. He would have known them uh, very, very well. Even as a young boy, probably had most of the, the Torah, uh, the first five books of the Bible memorized. Um, and, and so he, he was called as a visiting rabbi in the scene in Galilee to come and open the scriptures uh, before God's people. And so we see in verse 17 that he, he, he rolls out the scroll, which would have been very strange, um, of the prophet Isaiah that was given to him. Now, try to imagine you and I, we have, you know, a million Bibles in our house, study Bibles. You know, it's very accessible here in America, very accessible around the world in our own uh, mother language. But imagine uh, coming into the synagogue and you're handed a scroll, a, a long parchment. It could be one foot long, depending on which synagogue you're in, or it could be literally 35 feet long. And so Jesus has handed the scroll, the word of God, and he rolls it out and he goes right to Isaiah 61. And that's where he he begins to preach. He preaches from Isaiah 61, uh, from, from the scroll. And so it's really important to understand this, this context of Jesus to understand his, his understanding and his grounding in the word of God. Because if you remember right before this, Jesus has been baptized in the Jordan. Um, he he's, has the blessing of the father to do public ministry, to go and preach the kingdom of God. Um, the Holy Spirit comes on him. He goes into the desert. He's tempted by Satan. Uh, he, he's being trained in prayer. He's, he's praying. He's, he's fighting off temptations of Satan, uh, filled the Holy Spirit, makes it through those 40 days. And now he comes to the, the temple. And this is really, really significant. He comes to the temple and he opens the word of God and, and says, I've come to preach good news. I, I've come to, to, to preach and, and to fulfill my calling as God's ultimate messenger. I, I've come to, to show you what Isaiah 61 is all about. 
Because in the Old Testament, we have Isaiah 61, all these prophecies about this coming Messiah. And so Jewish people would have known the, the scriptures backwards and forwards. Um, they, they would have understood that this Messiah is to come. So they're reading Isaiah, reading about the suffering servant, reading about this promised Messiah who's going to redeem God's people. And, you know, the context of, of Isaiah 61 is, uh, Israel's in Babylon. They're in captivity. So, so God's people are going, where are you, God? Why haven't you rescued us? Why haven't you come to, 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 to redeem us and to, to take care of our enemies? And so here comes Jesus in the synagogue to open up Isaiah 61 and to remind his people to say, I am he. I'm the one who has come. I'm the one Isaiah 61 was talking about. I'm the one Isaiah was talking about. I'm the one that all of scripture was talking about. I've come to reveal myself to you. I've come to preach good news of the kingdom, to invite those physically and spiritually poor to relationship with me, with the Father. I've come to heal the sick. I've come to uh, set the captives free. And so you can imagine as they're sitting there, these Jewish people were going, yeah, that's, that's exactly what the scriptures say. That's exactly what it was, was supposed to be about. And, and Jesus is saying, well, I'm, I'm the one that was to come. Uh, I'm the one who's fulfilling all of these promises. That, that's why he, he says in verse 20, and he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all the synagogues were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So, so God reveals himself through the written word. Jesus is modeling that for us. He's showing us. He's opening the scroll of Isaiah and he's saying, right here through this word is me. It's the promises, the redeemer, the savior, the Messiah who is to come, the one who is going to, to crush the enemies. Now do it in a different way. Now they're, they were expecting a certain kind of, of king, a certain kind of Messiah, more like in the line of David. So in the first century, they're, they're hearing this as, well, this is really good news because we're under Roman captivity and, and we don't have a voice in our culture and, and we're not welcomed into the, the, into the broader society. And so is this Messiah the one who's going to crush the Roman Empire? Is he going to come and, and take care of our enemies so we can finally be free? And yet Jesus comes and says, well, I'm going to do it in a different way. I'm going to do it by blessing our enemy, forgiving our enemies. I'm going to do it with grace and mercy um, and love. And, and so so one of the, the primary ways that, that God reveals himself is through the written word. And that's why we take the scriptures and the evangelical stream very seriously. It's because it's not about just studying the word to study the word or to, you know, get a PhD in, uh, you know, hermeneutics or ancient languages. The reason we study the scriptures is because we believe that it reveals to us who God is, reveals to us who we are and why things went horribly wrong. It reveals what, what the world is and, and, and where it's gone wrong, but also it reveals how things are going to be made right, how God is redeeming and reconciling all things to himself and how it's all going to end. And so, so, so getting a, a, uh, uh, I should say having a practice of knowing the scripture, studying the scriptures isn't just to get smarter or to, to be more savvy and to have debates, but it's to get to know the God that is revealed in those scriptures. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing as he opens up Isaiah um, 60, 61. So, so God reveals himself to us in the written word, as we see here in Luke 4. But God also reveals himself in the living word, uh, which is Jesus Christ. And that was the, the key point when Jesus said, today the scriptures are fulfilled in me. 
So, so all the stuff in Isaiah about Jesus, all, all the stuff from Gen- Genesis to Revelation is about the person and work of, of Christ and how we're to live in light of, of him. So, so everything in the scriptures was about this Messiah, this Jesus who was to come. So when he stands up in the synagogue, he's saying, God has revealed to us through the living word, through Jesus Christ himself, that he's communicating now primarily through the scriptures, yes, but also now through Christ himself. If you remember the, the story in Luke 24, Jesus has been uh, resurrected from the dead, and I always call it it's one of the greatest Bible studies that the world has ever ever seen. And and so these these disciples are very confused. They're they, they've seen their Messiah crucified, you know, and then he's raised from the dead, but they're still confused of what that means. And so they're walking along the road in Emmaus, and Jesus meets them at Emmaus in Luke chapter twenty four, verse forty four, and he says, "These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you." that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things and behold, I am sending the promises of the Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So, so Jesus essentially says all the things you, you read about in, in the Torah and the law and the Psalms and the prophets were all pointing to me, my life, my death, my resurrection. That it was all a, 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 a marker, a placeholder in human history and redemptive history that there was going to be this Messiah that was going to eventually come and now preach good news to the captives, preach good news of salvation and forgiveness and mercy and, and to heal and to set people free. All the things that Jesus said he was going uh, to do in Isaiah 61 in, in the synagogue has now been fulfilled in uh, Christ. And so the scriptures, again, are, are revealing to us the living word, Christ himself. You can't read the scriptures well without having Jesus as the centerpiece, as the hero of the story ultimately. It doesn't mean our stories don't matter, but God has invited us into his story, not the other way around. So the scriptures aren't just about getting wisdom or getting inspiration or becoming intellectually savvy so that we can debate uh, the philosophers of the age, if you will. But, but the reality is that the scriptures are ultimately about the person and work of Christ, and how it points us to him and his mercy and his salvation and what it looks like to come home to the Father, what it looks like to have a relationship with the Father and the Son and the Spirit, and also how do we live in light of those those things. Another, I think, important scripture uh, in Luke's gospel, if you, if you go over just one, uh, really one page, depending on your Bible, but John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And so Jesus is revealed as the living Word of God that has always been eternal God, creator God, with the Father, with the Spirit from eternity past, that has now revealed Himself to us to, 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 to say, this is who I am. This is what I've come to do. This is what I'm inviting you into, this kingdom, this good news. That's why we're an evangelical people, because there's good news of mercy and grace through the life and death and resurrection of Christ. Um, and, and then one other, I, I think, text that's really helpful to understanding Jesus as the living word is from Hebrews chapter uh, 1. If you remember uh, a few months back, we went through Hebrews as a church. And, and I love this text in Hebrews 1. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. 
He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by word of his power. So if you want to know what God is like, Hebrews says, well, first listen to my son, because if you've seen the son, you've seen the father. If you've seen the father, you've seen the son. Jesus is the exact imprint, the image of the father. So if you want to say, you know, I, I really don't like the version of the Christian God. I don't like the way he's, he's, he's talked about or taught. He just seems angry. He seems judgmental. He seems this or that is if you really want to see what God is really like, well, God has primarily revealed himself through the Son, Jesus Christ, that if you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father. The same God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. The same Jesus that we see on the, 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 the passages or the pages of Scripture and the same Jesus in history is the Father. They are no different. He's the exact imprint of God. And that's why I, I constantly tell our, our church and I tell you often is that we need to spend a lot of time in the Gospels meditating on, thinking on who God is based on Jesus and how he's been revealed to us in Christ and, and, and how our images of God should be changed as we sit with that and as we see him love and show mercy and heal and, and show compassion to others. We go, this is the God that we worship. This is what he's, he's truly like. So, so God reveals himself in the living word in Jesus Christ. Now, to go, to go along on that, that point of our pictures of God and what he's like. Notice what, how the crowds respond to the message in which Jesus preaches in verse 22. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? A lot of commentators debate on what does this mean? Was Jesus just the way he spoke was kind of gentle and kind? I don't think that that's what the, the Greek here means. I think what he's actually saying, and most scholars would, I think, agree with this, is that, that what he's saying is the message in which he preached was so filled with grace and mercy that people were in awe. Like, here's this Messiah who's going to set us free, who's going to redeem us, who's going to forgive us, who's going to heal us. He's going to uh, uh, set us free from our enemies, who's going to watch over us and care for us. That the, As Jesus, and, and most scholars would say that the message that we see in Luke 4 is probably not the whole sermon that Jesus preached. That would have been a very, very short sermon. Uh, just read a couple of verses, sit down. I know a lot of our church would like me to do that. Um, but but he, the, most likely Jesus was unpacking these texts, teaching these texts, explaining these texts. And as the people are hearing, they're going, this is really good news. This is filled with grace and mercy. And so when he sits down, they're just going, really? This is really, truly good news. And that's what the heart of the evangelical stream is about. It's a good news, people, that preaches a message of grace. Because the good news isn't about how we work our way to God. It's not how do we get to heaven. The good news is what Jesus has done on our behalf, what Jesus has accomplished by his life and his death and his resurrection, and ultimately what he'll accomplish through his, his coming again. And so, so what is laden in this, and in, in woven into this God is a God of, of mercy and a God of, of grace. But we know the moment we start talking about grace, and we know the moment we start talking about mercy, there's kind of this push and pull thing that happens. Because lastly, God is also revealed in the, the proclamation and the reading of, of, of scriptures. And so as Jesus begins to preach this message, the crowd say, yes, it's full of grace and full of, of mercy. But notice what Jesus says right after that in verse 23. He says, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. 
what we have heard you did at Capernaum, do you hear in your hometown as well? And he said, truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three days and six months and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zaphirath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And if you go down to the bottom of the text, it says, when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill in which they were, their town was, was built <clears throat> so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. So Jesus has revealed himself through the written word of God, the scroll of Isaiah. And he showed that he is the fulfillment of these things, that he is the living word that has come to fulfill all these promises. But now when he starts talking about grace and mercy in his hometown, the people say, wait a minute, I don't know about this. We're we're having a change of heart because the content in which Jesus is talking about here is about Elijah and Elisha. And Elijah and Elisha and the healings that were taking place, a reference here in these texts, were for Gentiles, not Jewish people, not God's people, Israel. So what Jesus is preaching is a kingdom for all, a kingdom that's for the Jew and the Gentile, for all peoples, all backgrounds, all socioeconomic standing. And so so you can imagine Israel, the Jewish people who are under siege by the Roman Empire, are saying, I don't know about this. How can this message really be for Jews and Gentiles? We're your chosen people. And so now they want to throw Jesus off a cliff. And see, that's the, the push and the pull of how God reveals himself in the, the preached and the proclaimed word of God. That I wish every time I, I stood up to preach a sermon that everybody receives it with joy and says, yes, amen, let's go. Because faith comes by hearing. But we also know that it pushes people away because the moment you start talking about the fact, the reality that we're weak and the fact that we're sinful and that we need God's grace and God's mercy, we say, no, 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 I don't need that. I'm fine just the way I am. And so there's this push and pull that, that happens. And there was a push and pull with Jesus that for some, Jesus, they saw him as, as life. They, they saw him as, as the embodiment of truth and his, they saw his mercy and they saw his kindness. And yet other times when he feeds the 5,000 and people are gathering around and he starts saying hard things about discipleship and, and, and what it means to take up our cross and follow him, the, the crowds just dwindle. I, I don't think I like this. This sounds too, too complicated. This is asking too much of me. So when the word of God is revealed and it's through the proclamation, through the preaching of God's word, just what we see in Jesus here, it has this push and pull effect. Isn't it interesting how many times in Luke 4, when Jesus is preaching, how many times he uses that word proclaim, right? It's to proclaim good news to the poor, to, uh, to, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, this time of rest, this time of God's favor, referring to Le- Leviticus 25, where the land would, would receive rest, but also God would give his people a Sabbath rest. So, so there's a proclaiming piece that happens uh, with the word of, of God, and, 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 it, and it pushes on us and it reveals our lives. It, it doesn't leave us the same. Because I, I like the way Eugene Peterson says the, the problem is that we have this holy trinity of holy needs, holy wants, and holy feelings. So rather than God being our ultimate uh, savior and teacher and, and guide and Lord and friend, ourself becomes sovereign God. And so we don't allow God to speak truth into our lives. But as we mentioned earlier, that if we really believe that God is a God of grace and a God of mercy, 
and a good father who loves his kids, why wouldn't we welcome that? <laughs> why wouldn't we say, please teach me, please guide me, please be with me, especially during these times of uncertainty and these troubling times that God is always after our good, that even when he has to correct us and discipline us and reveal to us our own sin, and our own brokenness, that's all done out of a, a loving heavenly father. It's very much like my, like my kids. I love my kids and and, and yet I'm not going to let them run in the street when there's cars that are zooming by at 60 miles per, per, per hour. That wouldn't be a loving father. So there's, there's rules, there's ramifications, not because I want to be the dad who doesn't let my kids have fun, but I want to be the dad who heightens the joy of my kids by creating parameters to say, if we kind of stay in these parameters, there's more joy to be had. And that's exactly what God does with his commands and with his ways and his wills to say, I love you that much that I want you to have as much joy as possible. And that's why I've revealed myself to you in these, these ways. I'm going to read a, a, another Eugene Peterson quote from his book, Eat This Book. He says, exegesis is an act of, of love. Loving God and people. And so he, he goes on to say, I'll quote it a, a little uh, verbatim. He says, exegesis is the further thing from pedantry. Exegesis is an act of love. It loves the one who speaks the words enough to want to get the words right. It respects the words enough to use every means we have to get the words right. Exegesis is loving God enough to stop and listen carefully to what he says. It follows that we bring the leisure and attentiveness of lovers to the text, cherishing every comma and semicolon, refreshing the oddness of his, this preposition, delighting in the surprising placement of this noun. Lovers don't take a quick look, get a message or a meaning, and then run off and talk endlessly with their friends about how they feel. I've just allowed that that quote to just rattle around in me this week. Exegesis is for love, for lovers. The evangelical stream, for all of its problems and all of its weaknesses, is a high view of Scripture is because it's about love. We want to get the text right. We want to understand what it's saying. We want to see the God who's revealed in it. Why? So that we can love God better and we can love our neighbor better that exegesis is for love. And exegesis is just how do we draw meaning from the text? How do we understand what it's saying in that time, in that place? And how, how do we understand it for that audience, but also how do we understand it for us? So, so as we draw out meaning from the text, the goal is always love. It's always to love God more and love our neighbors as our, our, our ourselves. I, I love what uh, Jesus says in uh, Luke 42, uh, or I should say Luke 4, verse 42. And he says, and, and when it was uh, day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of, of Judea. So I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. It's fascinating that that ultimately Jesus' vocation was a preacher. It was to preach and proclaim the good news of God, the mercies of God who invites us to come home to the Father, who who invites us to experience mercy and grace and forgiveness of our sins, to to invite invite us to take up our cross and and follow Him. And, And so when we think about God revealing Himself through the proclaimed Word of God, uh, through the, the preached or the t- taught Word of God, or even through the reading of, of Scriptures, we need to, to remember that, that all of it is for a, a primary purpose, to invite people into relationship with God, to invite people into the kingdom of God, and to live in that, that new kingdom. 
the Apostle Paul, when he was planting churches around the Roman Empire and, and around the world, in Colossians 1, he, he explained his mission um, in Colossians 1.27. He says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So again, the Word of God, the proclaimed Word of God is revealing this mystery, this good news of grace, that Christ has come now for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. But then he says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all His energy that He powerfully works within me. So how do we know Christ? Proclaimed Word of God. Faith comes by hearing. How do we mature in Christ? teach and preach the proclaimed word of Christ revealed ultimately in Christ in the gospel, this good news of grace, his life, his death, his resurrection. So Paul saw his vocation as a pastor, as a church planter, to continue to proclaim this message of Christ revealed in his word so others could come into the kingdom, but also so they can mature and grow and become more like Christ. Because remember, exegesis is for love. Preaching and proclaiming is for love so that people can love God and love their neighbor well. And so God's going to continually use his written word, his preached word, his heard word, his read word to continue his mission to reveal more of himself uh, to him. And so uh, God's going to raise up pastors and teachers and missionaries and church planters and elders in churches. He's going to raise up moms and dads, people in homes, everyday disciples of Jesus that understand the scriptures so that they can teach others the things of God and proclaim the same good news uh, to others. And so the word is essential for us understanding who God is, maturing in him, and also helping others know who he is. Uh, later in the in the New Testament in Second Timothy or I should say Second Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul again says this about the Word of God. At the end of the letter in, in chapter three, he says, "Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored, as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from the wicked and evil men, for not all have faith." He says, "Pray for us that the word of the Lord, the same message that Jesus preached." And the same message that is about Jesus would speed ahead and be honored, revered, submitted to, that exegesis would happen for the sake of, of love. He, he's praying that this word of God, this proclaimed word, would continue to go ahead to all people, every tribe and tongue, every community around our city, every home would be invaded by the word of God, and it would be honored, because as it's being honored, what happens? We're actually honoring Christ, the one that is revealed in these scriptures, because he wanted people to know this God, the God that preached from Isaiah 61 when he was on earth, the God who preached from Isaiah 61 to say, I've come to set the captives free. I've come to redeem. I've come to restore. I've come to forgive. I've, I've come to show grace and mercy because all of scripture leads us to him. So God reveals himself in the written word. He reveals himself in, as the living word through Christ, but also reveals himself in the proclaiming and the reading of scripture. Now let's, let's try to make this somewhat practical and, and to say, how do we get more of this word? If we're talking about the evangelical stream, this is why we take the scriptures very seriously. It's not because we want to be, you know, uber smart and have really good debates online, but it's actually so that we could be better lovers of God and lovers of people. And, and love our families well through the scriptures. And so here's a couple just practices, just some very practical things we can kind of put into our lives. Because remember, Jesus practiced these things. 
uh, uh, Jesus was a person of the word. He spent his whole childhood learning the scriptures in the synagogue. He, he learned from his father and his mother in their home and, and he had the scriptures memorized. He used the scriptures to fight off the enemy in, in the desert. So, so Jesus is, was very familiar with the scriptures and had it deep in his soul and in his bones and knew that was where life was found. So one would just be a very obvious thing, um, is, when you're thinking about how we use the scriptures is get, just get a good translation of the Bible. Um, one that's very readable. Um, that would be kind of a Bible reading, Bible intake 101. ESV, we preach from the ESV, the English Standard Version. NIV is great. The New Living Translation is fine. Um, the HCSB, just get a good readable translation. We like the ESV because it's very readable, but it's also probably the closest to the original languages, which if that matters, hey, does, might matter to you, might not. Um, but but you're getting a very close reading of the scriptures. And, and you don't have to be a Bible scholar to understand what it's saying. Uh, there's a great uh, thing in, in the, Re- the Reformation called the perspicuity of scripture, kind of a fancy word, but it just means that, that the scriptures are available to all people. That You don't have to have a special training. You don't have to be a pope. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to have uh, you know a, a, a PhD hanging on the wall in Semitic languages. That The scriptures are available to young and old and are uh, readable and understandable. So get a good translation of the Bible. If you have questions about that, just hit us up and we'll make sure uh, you can email me or hit us up on the stream and we can make sure we, we point you to some good resources. Secondly, which is very important, is memorize the scriptures. Is, is begin a practice of just memorizing scripture. You don't have to memorize large swaths of scripture, but getting verses in your mind and in your heart is really important to, to experience more of God's grace, as more of his love and his ways. And so uh, I've said this a lot to our churches that I'm not a big mem- memorizer of scripture, but I meditate on the scripture a lot. And so I take small sections of scripture and kind of pray over them, think on them, get them in my head and heart. So throughout the day, I can kind of bring those scriptures up uh, whatever, whenever I'm needed or I just need to be encouraged. Um, and, and so, so we are, um, gonna memorize scripture, which is, uh, essential. And then we're also going to, uh, another good practice would to be, is to take some, okay, <laughs> awesome. Okay. So, um, you can still hear me, but our battery died on the, uh, on the, the video feed. Uh, so I'll just keep talking because you can can still still hear me. Um, but we can also um, meditate on shorter books of the Bible and read them out loud. That would be a really good practice to get into our lives. I think of books like Philippians. I think of books like Colossians. Uh, some of the New Testament letters are really short. You can read them in 20 minutes or so. There's just a really good habit of reading the scriptures out loud. Um, and you can do that as a family. You can do that individually. Uh, but there's something about hearing it in our ear that's very different experience than just trying to read it quietly uh, in our minds. Uh, so read, read some short books out loud. Um, and then also, uh, I, I would mention another one is that you, you want to meditate on shorter verses and the scripture, especially words of Jesus. I, I've done this over the years. John 1, 1 to 3 is a great text uh, to think about that, uh, is just getting those, those shorter um, verses in our head, in our hearts, uh, thinking about the, the words of Jesus, what he says, and also trying to make it uh, as personable as possible, um, is, is let those words not just be vague words, help understand what they're saying, but also let them be personal uh, to you as well. Uh, so meditating on shorter verses, words of Christ are, are important. Um, another one, because we are in the evangelical uh, stream, and uh, and we're not just called to read the word, but we're also called to uh, proclaim uh, the word uh, together, 
is um, also to share, how do we share the gospel with other people? How can we pray for opportunities uh, to, to read and share um, God's, God's word with other, other people? Um, and and so, so be praying about that. How, how can I find uh, ways to uh, love people by proclaiming the good news uh, uh, of others, that, that, that others could encounter the same uh, risen, risen Christ and, and the mercies of God? And, and so, uh, so, so be thinking about that. And then one last one. Uh, is also how do we demonstrate the gospel um, by our uh, actions? Is that we're not only called to uh, declare uh, the good news of, of Christ, uh, but we're also called to uh, demonstrate the good news of, of Christ. Uh, I mean, so, so how can the, the word that's living in us be embodied in our actions, in our words, uh, in, in, in the ways in which uh, we love and serve um, other other people, and so so I think that's just really uh, important for us as we think about that. Well, we went away. Sorry about that. This battery just sucking up the juice. But um, but during I think during this pandemic, and this is probably the most important thing you could could hear uh, if you do hear this, uh, is to let the word of God be just a gift to you during this time, um, because we need the promises of God. We need to take our anxiety and our fear and present them before God and to hear God. Uh, through his word, um, and to know that it's not just about these promises, but it's also the God who has revealed himself through the scriptures, the God that's with us, the God who loves us, the God who is merciful and kind, even through um, a, a pandemic. And so I just want to encourage you to be meditating over it, reading it, joining us Sundays, joining us Wednesdays, getting the word of God opened, talked about, discussed, prayed over in your home, especially during these uncertain uh, times. It's his this isn't a time to lean on our own understanding. This isn't a time to lean on our own wisdom, but to lean on God and his wisdom because Jesus says he is the wisdom of God. And so we want to look to him for, for everything uh, that, that, that we need. Um, and so the word is essential to that because remember the word uh, and exegesis is for love. So as we understand it more is to love God more and to love our neighbors uh, as our so, so I pray that this would encourage you. I apologize for the, the technical difficulties. We'll keep, keep working at that. Uh, but let us uh, close in prayer. Father, um, thank you for the word of God, this grace to us, that you haven't left us in the dark, that you have revealed to us who you are, that you've revealed your ways, you've revealed Christ and his life, his death, his resurrection, his purpose, his plan for the whole universe that you've revealed this this invitation to us that we can have a relationship with the Father, that you're inviting us to come home like prodigals, to lay our sins aside and to look to Christ in faith and to come running to our Father and to enter into a kingdom, into a new life with you. And so thank you for the gift of your word and and help us take it seriously. Help us not just just minimize and say it's just an old dusty book from a long time ago, but to remember that it's it's a book that where God reveals Himself to us, where God communicates to us. So so during this time of uncertainty and these troubling times during this pandemic, I pray that the Word of God would be central in our lives, for us individually as families, just picking it up, reading it, thinking on it, meditating it through the day, so that we can walk with you and know you and and find comfort in you. So help us, help us be true evangelical good news Bible people for your glory and our good. And we pray this all in Jesus' name.